Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Etymology supplied by a late consumptive usher to a grammar school. The pale usher, threadbare in coat, heart, body, and brain, I see him now. He was ever dusting his old lexicons and grammars with a queer handkerchief mockingly embellished with all the gay flags of all the known nations of the world. He loved to dust his old grammars, somehow rem mildly reminded him of his mortality. While you take in hand to school others and to teach them by what name a whalefish is to be called in our tongue, leaving out through ignorance the letter H, which almost alone maketh up the signification of the word, you deliver that which is not true. A quote from Hacklite. Whale. S Swedish and Danish. Fowl. This animal is named from roundness or rolling, for in Danish, vault is arched or vaulted. That's from Webster's Dictionary. Whale. It is more immediately from the Dutch and German, wallen, valvian, to roll, to wallow. That's from Richardson's Dictionary, 19th century. And follow all the words from other languages. There are the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, Satus, the Anglo-Saxon, whirl, the Danish, valt, Dutch, val, Swedish, Kval, whale in Icelandic and English, balain, uh, balain in uh, French, balena, balena in Spanish, piki nui nui in Fiji, and pihi nui nui in Aromangolan. Extracts supplied by a sub-sub-librarian. It will be seen that this mere painstaking burrower and grubworm of a poor devil of a sub-sub appears to have gone through the long Vaticans and street stalls of the earth picking up whatever random allusions to whales he could always find in any book whatsoever, sacred or profane. Therefore, you must not, in every case at least, take the higgledy-piggledy whale statements, however authentic in these extracts, for a veritable gospel cytology. Far from it. As touching the ancient authors generally, as well as the poets here appearing, these extracts are solely valuable or entertaining as affording a glancing bird's-eye view of what has been promiscuously said, thought, fancied, and sung of Leviathan by many nations and generations, including our own. So fare thee well, poor devil of a sub-sub, whose commentator I am. Thou belongs to that hopeless, sallow tribe which no wine of this world will ever warm, and for whom even pale sherry would be too rosy strong, but with whom one sometimes loves to sit and feel poor devilish too, and grow convivial upon tears, and say to them bluntly with full eyes and empty glasses, and in not altogether unpleasant sadness, give it up, sub-subs, for by how much more the, how much the more pains you take to please the world, by so much the more shall ye forever go thankless. Would that I could clear out Hampton Court and the Tilleries for ye, but gulp down your tears and hile off to the royal mast with your hearts, for your friends who have gone before are clearing out the seven-storied heavens and making refugees of long-pampered Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael against your coming. Here ye strike but splintered hearts together. There ye shall strike unsplinterable glasses. And God created great 
Wales. From Genesis. Leviathan maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary. That's from Job. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And that's from Jonah. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. And that's from Psalms. In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. And that's from Isaiah. And what thing soever betides cometh within the chaos of this monster's mouth, be it beast, boat, or stone, down it goes, all incontinently, that foul great swallow of his, and perisheth in the bottomless gulf of his paunch. And that's from Holland's Plutarch's Morals. The Indian Sea breedeth the most and the biggest fishes that are, among which the whales and whirlpools called balena take up as much in length as four acres or arpens of land. That's from Holland's Pliny. Scarcely had we proceeded two days on the sea, when about sunrise a great many whales and other monsters of the sea appeared. Among the former, one was of a most monstrous size. This came toward us, open-mouthed, raising the waves on all sides and beating the sea before him into a foam. And that's from Tuck's Lucian, The True History. He visited this country also with a view of catching horse whales, which had bones of very great value for their teeth, of which he brought some to the king. The best whales were catched in his own country, of which some were forty-eight, some fifty yards long. He said that he was one of six who had killed sixty in two days. Author or Ochter's verbal narrative taken down from his mouth by King Alfred, A.D. 890. And where is all the other things, whether beast or vessel, that enter into the dreadful gulf of this monster's mouth, are immediately lost and swallowed up? The sea gudgeon retires into it in great security, and there sleeps. And that's Montaigne, his apology for Raymond Sibon. Let us fly, let us fly, old Nick, take me if it is not Leviathan described by the noble prophet Moses in the life of a patient Job. It's not W.C. Fields, that's Rabelais. The, this whale's liver was two cartloads from Stowe's Annals. The great Leviathan that maketh the seas to seeth like boiling pan. Lord Bacon's version of the Psalms. Touching that monstrous bulk of the whale or orc, we have received nothing certain. They grow exceeding fat, insomuch that an incredible quantity of oil will be extracted out of one whale. That's from also Lord Bacon's version of the Psalms, History of Life and Death. The sovereignest thing on earth is palmachete for an inward bruise. That's from King Henry, Shakespeare. Very like a whale, Hamlet. Which to secure no skill of leech's art, mote him avail, but to return again to his wounds worker, that with lowly dart, dinting his breast, had bred his restless pain, like as the wounded whale to shore flies through the main. And that's from the Fairy Queen. Immense as whales, 
the motion of whose vast bodies can, in a peaceful calm, trouble the ocean till it boil. Sir William Davenant prefaced to Gondibert. What spermaceti is, men might justly doubt, since the learned Hosmanus in his work of thirty years saith plainly, Nescio quid sit. Sir T. Brown of Sperma Seti and the Sperma Seti Whale. Like Spencer's talus with his modern flail, he threatens ruin with his ponderous tail. There are fixed javelins in his side he wears, and on his back a grove of pikes appears. That's Waller's Battle of the Summer Islands. By art is created that great leviathan called a commonwealth or state, in Latin, civitas, which is but an artificial man. That's the opening of Hobbes's leviathan. Silly Mansoul swallowed it without chewing, as if it had been a sprat in the mouth of a whale. Pilgrim's Progress. That sea beast leviathan which God of all his works created hugest that swim the ocean stream. From Paradise Lost. There leviathan, hugest of living creatures, in the deep stretched like a promontory, sleeps or swims and seems a moving land, and at his gills draws in and at his breath spouts out a sea. Same place, Paradise Lost. The mighty whales which swim in a sea of water and have a sea of oil swimming in them. That's from Fuller's Profane and Holy State. So close behind some promontory lie the huge leviathans to attend their prey and give no chase but swallow in the fry which through their gaping jaws mistake the way. That's from Dryden's Annus Mirabilis. While the whale is floating at the stern of the ship, they cut off his head and tow it with the boat as near the shore as it will come, but it will be aground in twelve or thirteen feet water. Thomas Edge's Ten Voyages to Spitsbergen in Purchase. In their way, they saw many whales sporting in the ocean and in wantonness fuzzing up the water through their pipes and vents which nature had placed on their shoulders. Sir T. Herbert's Voyages into Asia and Africa. Here they saw such huge troops of whales that they were forced to proceed with a great deal of caution for fear they should run their ship upon them. That's from Schouten's Sixth Circumnavigation. We set sail from the Elba, wind northeast, in the ship called the Jonas in the Whale. Some say the whale can't open his mouth, but that is a fable. They frequently climb up the mast to see whether they can see a whale, for the first discoverer has a ducat for his pains. I was told of a whale taken near Shetland that had above a barrel of herrings in his belly. One of our harpooners told me that he caught once a whale in Spitsbergen that was white all over. A Voyage to Greenland, A.D. 1671, from the Harris Collection. Several whales have come in upon this coast, Fife, Anno 1652, one eighty feet in length of the whalebone kind came in, which, as I was informed, besides a, a vast quantity of oil, did afford five hundred weight of baleen. The jaws of it stand for a gate in the garden of Pitferon. From Sybil's Fife and Kinross. Myself have agreed to try whether I can master and kill this spermaceti whale for I could never hear of any of that sort that was killed by any man, such as his fierceness and swiftness. Richard Strafford's letter from the Bermudas, uh, the translation from 1668. 
Wail in the sea, God's voice obey. A New England primer. We saw also abundance of large whales, there being more in those southern seas, as I may say, by a hundred to one than we have to the northward of us. Captain Cowley's Voyage Round the Globe, 1729. And the breath of the whale is frequently attended with such an insupportable smell as to bring on a disorder of the brain. Aloha, South America. To fifty chosen sylphs of special note, we trust the most important charge, the petticoat. Oft have we known that sevenfold fence to fail, though stuffed with hoops and armed with ribs of whale. That's from The Rape of the Lark. If we compare land animals in respect to magnitude with those that take up their abode in the deep, we shall find that they will appear contemptible in the comparison. The whale is doubtless the largest animal in creation. That's Goldsmith, Natural History. If you should write a fable for little fishes, you would make them speak like great whales. That's Goldsmith to Johnson. In the afternoon we saw what was supposed to be a rock, but it was found to be a dead whale, which some Asiatics had killed and were then towing ashore. They seemed to endeavour to conceal themselves behind the whale in order to avoid being seen by us. Cook's Voyages The larger whales they seldom venture to attack. They stand in so great dread of some of them that when out at sea they're afraid to mention even their names, and carry dung, limestone, juniper wood, and in some other articles of the same nature in their boats in order to terrify and prevent their too near approach. Those are Uno von Troyer's letters on Banks's and Solander's voyage to Iceland in 1772. The spermaceti whale found by the Nantuckois is an active, fierce animal and requires vast address and boldness in the fishermen. That's Thomas Jefferson's whale memorial to the French minister in 1778. And pray, sir, what in the world is equal to it? Edmund Burke's reference in Parliament to the Nantucket whale fishery. Spain, a great whale stranded on the shores of Europe. That's Edmund Burke, somewhere. A tenth branch of the king's ordinary revenue, said to be grounded on the consideration of his guarding and protecting the seas from pirates and robbers, is the right to royal fish, which are whale and sturgeon. And these, when either thrown ashore or caught near the coast, are the property of the king. From Blackstone. Soon to the sport of death the crews repair. Rodmond unerring o'er his head suspends the barbed steel and every turn attends. That's Falconer's shipwreck. Bright shone the roofs, the domes, the spires, and rockets blew self-driven to hang their momentary fire around the vault of heaven. So fire with water to compare. The ocean serves on high, upspouted by a whale in air, to express unwieldy joy. Cowper, on the King's visit to London. Ten or fifteen gallons of blood are thrown out of the heart at a stroke, with immense velocity. John Hunter's account of the dissection of a whale, a small-sized one. The aorta of a whale is larger in the bore than the main pipe of the waterworks at London Bridge. And the water roaring in its passage through that pipe is inferior in impetus and velocity to the blood gushing from the whale's heart. 
That's from Paley's theology. The whale is a mammiferous animal without hind feet. Baron Cuvier. In 40 degrees south, we saw spermaceti whales, but did not take any until the 1st of May, the sea being then covered with them. That's Colnett's voyage for the purpose of extending the spermaceti whale fishery. In the free element beneath me swam, floundered and dived, in play and chase and battle, fishes of every color, form and kind, which language cannot paint and mariner had never seen, from dread leviathan to insect, millions peopling every wave, gathered in shoals, immense like floating islands, led by mysterious instincts through that waste and trackless region, though on every side assaulted by voracious enemies, whales, sharks, and monsters armed in frontal jaw, with sword, saws, spiral horns, or hooked fangs. That's Montgomery's world before the flood. Yo, peon, yo, sing to the finny people's king. Not a mightier whale than this in the vast Atlantic is. Not a fatter fish than he flounders round the polar sea. And that's Charles Lamb's triumph of the whale. In the year 1690, some persons were on a high hill observing the whales spouting and sporting with each other, when one observed, there, pointing to the sea, is a green pasture where our children's grandchildren will go for bread. That's Obed Macy's History of Nantucket. I built a cottage for Susan and myself and made a gateway in the form of a Gothic arch by setting up a whale jo whale's jawbones. That's Hawthorne's Twice Told Tales. She came to bespeak a monument for her first love who had been killed by a whale in the Pacific Ocean no less than 40 years ago. The same place. No, sir, tis a right whale, answered Tom. I saw his spout. He threw up a pair of his pretty rainbows as a Christian would wish to look at. He's a rile oil, but that fellow. Cooper's pilot. The papers were brought in, and we saw in the Berlin Gazette that whales had been introduced on the stage there. Eckerman's conversations with Goethe. My God, Mr. Chase, what is the matter? I answered. We've been stove by a whale. Narrative of the shipwreck of the whale ship Essex of Nantucket, which was attacked and finally destroyed by a large sperm whale in the Pacific Ocean by Owen Chase of Nantucket, first mate of said vessel, New York, 1821. A mariner sat in the shrouds one night. The wind was piping free. Now bright, now dimmed, was the moonlight pale, and the phosphor gleamed in the wake of a whale as it floundered in the sea. Elizabeth Oakes Smith. The quantity of line withdrawn from different boats engaged in the capture of this one whale amounted altogether to 10,440 yards, or nearly six English miles. Sometimes the whale shakes its tremendous tail in the air, which, cracking like a whip, resounds to the distance of three or four miles from Scoresby. Mad with the agonies he endures from these fresh attacks, the infuriated sperm whale rolls over and over. He rears his enormous head and with wide expanded jaws, snaps at everything around him. He rushes at the boats with his head. They are propelled before him with vast swiftness and sometimes utterly destroyed. It is a matter of great astonishment that the consideration of the habits of so interesting 
and in a commercial point of view of so important an animal as the sperm whale, should have been so entirely neglected or should have excited so little curiosity among the numerous and uh, many of them competent observers, that of late years must have possessed the most abundant and the most convenient opportunities of, of witnessing their habitudes. That's Thomas Beale's History of the Sperm Whale, 1839. The catalot, sperm whale, is not only better armed than the true whale, Greenland or right whale, in possessing a formidable weapon at either extremity of its body, but also more frequently displays a disposition to employ these weapons offensively, and in a manner at once so artful, bold, and mischievous as to lead to its being regarded as the most dangerous to attack of all the known species of the whale tribe. That's from Frederick de Bell Bennett's Whaling Voyage Around the Globe, 1840. October 13th. There she blows, was sung off from the masthead. Where away, demanded the captain. Three points off the lee bow, sir. Raise up your wheels, steady. Steady, sir. Masthead ahoy, do you see the whale now? Aye, aye, sir, a shoal of sperm whales. There she blows, there she breaches. Sing out, sing out every time. Aye, aye, sir, there she blows. There, there, there she blows. Bows, boos, how far off? Two and a half and a half. Thunder and lightning so near, call all hands. That's J. Ross Brown's etchings of a whaling cruise, 1846. The whale ship Globe, on board of which vessel occurred the horrid transactions we are about to relate, belonged to the island of Nantucket. And that's from the narrative of the Globe Mutiny by Lay and Hussey survivors, 1828. Being once pursued by a whale which he had wounded, he parried the assault for some time with a lance. But the furious monster at length rushed on the boat, himself and comrades only being preserved by leaping into the water when they saw the onset was inevitable. Missionary Journal of Tyreman and Bennett. Nantucket itself, said Mr. Webster, is a very striking and peculiar portion of the national interest. There is a population of eight or nine thousand persons living here in the sea, adding largely every year to the national wealth by the boldest and most persevering industry. A report of Daniel Webster's speech in the U.S. Senate on the application for the erection of a breakwater at Nantucket, 1828. The whale fell directly over him and probably killed him in a moment. The whale and his captors, or the whaleman's adventures, and the whale's biography gathered on the homeward cruise of the Commodore Preble by Reverend Henry T. Cheever. If you make the least damn bit of noise, replied Samuel, I'll send you to hell. The life of Samuel Comstock, the mutineer by his brother William Comstock, another voyage version of the whale ship Globe narrative. The voyages of the Dutch and the English to the Northern Ocean, in order if possible to discover a passage through it to India, though they failed of their main object, laid open the haunts of the whale. That's from McCulloch's Commercial Dictionary. These things are reciprocal. The ball rebounds only to bound forward again, for now in laying open the haunts of the whale, the whalemen seem to have indirectly hit upon new clues to that same mystic northwest passage. That's from something unpublished. It is impossible to meet a whale ship on the ocean without being struck by her near appearance the vessel under short sail with lookouts at the mastheads eagerly scanning the wide expanse around them has a totally different air from those engaged in a regular voyage.
That's from Currents and Whaling, U.S. publication. Pedestrians in the vicinity of London and elsewhere may recollect having seen large curved bones set upright in the earth, either to form arches over gateways or entrances to alcoves, and they may perhaps have been told that these were the ribs of whales. Tales of a whale voyager to the Arctic Ocean. It was not till the boats returned from the pursuit of these whales that the whites saw their ship in bloody possession of the savages enrolled among the crew. Newspaper account of the taking and retaking of the whale ship Hobomack. It is generally well known that out of the crews of whaling vessels, American, few ever return in the ships on board of which they departed. Crews in a whaleboat. Suddenly, a mighty mass emerged from the water and shot up perpendicularly into the air. It was the whale. Miriam Coffin wrote that, or the whale, Miriam Coffin or the whale fisherman. The whale is harpooned, to be sure, but bethink you how you would manage a powerful unbroken colt with the mere appliance of a rope tied to the root of his tail. That's from a chapter on whaling in ribs and trucks. On one occasion, I saw two of these monsters, whales, probably male and female, slowly swimming, one after the other, within less than a stone's throw of the shore, Terra del Fuego, over which the beech tree extended its branches. That's from Darwin's Voyage of a Naturalist. Stern all, exclaimed the mate, as upon turning to his head he saw the distended jaws of a large sperm whale close to the head of the boat, threatening it with instant destruction. Stern all for your lives! Wharton, the whale killer. So be cheery, my lads, let your hearts never fail while the bold harpooner is striking the whale. That's a Nantucket song. And finally a whale song. Oh, the rare old whale, mid storm and gale, in his ocean home will be a giant in might, where might is right, and king of the boundless sea.